Welcome to the Coach and Doc Podcast. On this episode, we're going to look back on a conversation with Coach Jerome Tang and Coach Todd Dodge that was originally recorded in June of 2022. We hope you enjoy. We're joined tonight by two guests who need absolutely no introduction. They are two of the most successful and most respected men in their particular fields. Coach Jerome Tang, the new head men's basketball coach at Kansas State University, and Coach Todd Dodge, the reigning Max Preps National High School Coach of the Year and recently retired head football coach for Austin Westlake. We are really excited to gain wisdom from these coaches tonight. So first off, thank you two for being a part of this. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so the purpose of the event, so it's to better understand what culture looks like in each leader, team, specific environment. So the hope is that after our attendees or if anybody watches this online, once they've watched this event, they clearly know not just some of the methods each coach used, but also the purpose in each given context, okay? So we're going to get started, all right? So we're starting at two different ends of the spectrum. So this is great for a range of viewers. Coach Dodge, I'm going to ask you first, okay? You recently retired, but spent the last eight years at Austin, as, as Austin Westlake's head coach, the last three, y'all, won 6A. If someone asked you to describe the culture of your program, especially at the end of your tenure, what would you tell them? And, and kind of think of a better way to ask that is kind of like, what was the locker room atmosphere like? What was practice like? How were they viewed on the high school campus, in community, team meeting, et cetera? Well, I, I, la- I like the last part of, uh, of that question, how you clarified it, because we had to, as a coaching staff, probably in the last five years, that, that word culture is used so much in sports. And uh, it's very, very important. But we had to kind of say, what, what exactly is our, what, what are we talking about when we say culture? And, you know, and one of my young coaches said, coach, it's just what we do. You know, it's what we do on a day-to-day basis, and it, it's what everybody does. So from a standpoint of locker room, uh, our locker room was, was one that uh, the last four years, uh, my time at Westlake, it was unbelievable uh, how the very best players who ought to be good early in the year, you know, usually we would have probably 25 to 30 lettermen back, and so when you started a season, you'd have 25 veterans and you'd have another 50 that have never played in a varsity game before. That's just kind of the what it's like in high school football in Texas. Um, but the thing that as far as our locker room, the guys that should play the, the best early in a season, and I challenged them, they did. They got us off to a good start. I always told them their job was to give the chance for the pups to grow up. And so uh, it was just uncanny uh, on how uh, good of a start we got off to because of that and them taking pride in that. So, but, um, you know, I really do believe that uh, our, our team and, and, uh, and our program is one that um, if you have, if, if I have 75 players on a varsity football team, what we want to do at Westlake High School, uh, as far as a day-to-day basis, we want to take, you say it's the bottom 25%. It's not the least important, but it's the people who play the least in our program. And if you're a guy that, that plays the, the, uh, the least, you're probably treated like a rock star in our program. I mean, you're the one that gets to go to the elementary school and read to the to, to the kids. You're the one that gets to stand up at the pep rally and, uh, and talk at the pep rally. Uh, 
And I always told people all the time, I never understood why, you know, I, I as a head coach don't need to prop up uh, Cade Klubnick or Jaden Greathouse or uh, TJ Shanahan or any of those guys. I mean, the, the community of Westlake Hills is taking care of them. Uh, and so that's something in our program that I think was, uh, was invaluable as our kids bought into that. And so we had that bottom, that 25%. And I used to tell people, I think that, that our bottom 25% as far as playing time, not worth, uh, just kicked the tails of everybody else's as far as their buy-in, their attitude, um, them being a part of our attack team, which is our scout team. And then the other thing that I think it did is it really kept all of the superstars, the guys that have that um, possibility of being entitled, it kept them very humble. Uh, and, it, and it taught them uh, to take care of their teammates. And so that's, that's kind of what the locker room was like. Coach Tang, you've been the head coach for Kansas State for three months now. Would you articulate the type of culture you're trying to create in your program and all the categories previously mentioned, the locker room practice, et cetera? Matt, Coach, I, uh, I really appreciate what you just said. Um, you know, having veterans that can, you know, allow the pups to grow up in the college basketball game and college athletics in general with the transfer portal. Um, I, I don't know that it, how much we're going to allow, be allowed to get to where you can have guys coming back. You know, that, that's the goal, you know, um, at Baylor, our, our culture, we refer to it as the culture of joy. And I, I want to bring, uh, I was listening to my staff today as I was trying to talk through these questions with them. And one of them said, I always saw the culture of joy as having working, but having fun with what you were doing and who you were doing it with. And I mean, that's that's what I want to get to here at Kansas State is that our guys are, they don't see it as, as work uh, because it's just what they want to do. And, you know, coach said cultures, you know, what we do. And I, I'd like to add that it's not what we do, not only what we do, but how we do it and doing it with great enthusiasm. And so we want our locker room to be a very, safe, sacred place for our players where they can be truth tellers to each other. You know, we want practice to be, you know, just super competitive and high energy. And um, there's a great level of accountability from both the coaches and the players for each other. And, um, you know, that's, that's just, and, and that kind of energy and enthusiasm is contagious and it just, just spreads that that's, you know, how we want to, get this I, I wish I had veteran guys you know being new coach that that could help me implement it um the, what I'm what I'm hoping is that um the guys who have been in college basketball the older players that I I that I've inherited or that I bring in um that they re really embrace it and see what we do and how we do things being a little bit different than where they were at before and it just sparks a fire inside of them to, you know, just to want to, you know, embrace what's going on. And so um, that that's kind of where, where we're trying to head and, and stir up here. So when you start talking about what culture is going to look like, the next thing people normally ask is how long does it take? 
right? So Coach Dodge, you've had several head coaching stops throughout your journey. Seven years uh, at South Lake Carroll. We just mentioned finishing up an eight-year stint at Austin Westlake. Coach Tang, you were a head high school coach for 10 years at Heritage Academy. Uh, then you were at Baylor for almost 20 years, and now you're beginning a brand new part of your journey at K-State. So starting with Coach Dodge, how long did it take for you to feel like you had the culture part in a good place, right? And, and can you share some things that maybe helped you confirm that it was where you wanted it to be? Right. Well, at South Lake Carroll, we were at South Lake for seven years, and when we got there, um, there had been a lot of winning going on uh, in the in the past um, there had been three state championships, one in the early nineties. Uh, there had not been one, one in a while, but our first, the first two years that my staff and I were there, we were four a, which was the second, uh, highest classification in the third year, we went up to five a. So really the verification came kind of between year two and year three. And I say that because, um, we had a group of kids coming back off of a 4A team that, that uh, got beat by Ennis in the uh, semifinals as a 4A team. Well, in, in Texas, you reclassify every two years. And so we were, uh, we were about to reclassify, and, and the whole town was just up in arms that we were going into the biggest classification. They couldn't believe that little old South Lake Carroll was now going to be 5A. And I'll never forget this. On, you know, February the 7th of approximately – uh, 2002 is when we realigned. When I told those kids, it was it's just an unbelievable look in their eye. We've we've all been there as coaches when you have those 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 looks in their eye. Is that their expectations was to win a state championship regardless of what classification we were in. We had a really not really good nucleus coming back. Uh, a lot of stars coming back and. And um, we went 16-0, and 0 and we won a state championship in the first uh, year in going up in classification. It was the only time that's ever been done. It's never been done since. Uh, just uh, got to see those guys. We had our 20-year anniversary uh, about uh, two weeks ago. And the look in their eye then was the look in eye I saw 20 years later. And they're all fathers and they're, and they're great husbands. And, um, and then at Westlake, um, you know, there's a guy named Sam Ellinger, uh, that I just, I just got back from Sam's wedding, uh, about, uh, he got married about 48 hours ago in Aspen, Colorado. Wow, what a beautiful place. And, uh, and when I, when I toasted him and his bride at the rehearsal dinner, uh, it, it reminded me of really why I went back to Westlake and, uh, because I'd had him in camp when he was in seventh and eighth grade. And I really went back to Westlake. It was very simple. I wanted to coach the kid, you know. Um, and and I told him and some of his buddies, I said, that played on the the second year I was there. I said, you know, y'all really kind of revived my coaching career. You know, I'd, I'd rocked along and done everything great at, at South Lake Carroll. And then I, I took a head coaching job right out of high school. It didn't go so well. Uh, and then now, now you're back. So the culture at Westlake led by – a, you know, a generational leader in Sam Ellinger really happened in year two. And um, so much of it was that they just did not blink in the eye of a big, you know, we, we had an opportunity that year. And I, I thought that it was the turning point. We played Allen, the, the great, you know, uh, they were three-time defending state championship time, had a 57-game winning streak. 
and uh, and we were able to knock them off. And we made it to the state championship in year two. And so, um, but that's kind of where I, those in those two situations, year three in South Lake, year two in West Lake, is kind of where I knew that that the culture had had turned. So, Coach Tang, kind of twisting the question a little bit, at a new place, how long do you foresee this process taking, just stepping into a new program? And what are some ways that you're measuring your team's progress in those areas now? Well, I we, we just try to win every day, you know, and I think every single day uh, our entire staff is fighting for what we want our culture to be. And um, – the way we judge that we're heading in the right direction is um, as we listen around the office, as we listen in the locker room, as we listen in the gym, that our vocabulary is being used. And we start seeing guys holding each other accountable, um, using our vernacular. And I think the first thing that for us with culture is buying on, on vocabulary, you know, and, and as simple things as, you know, um, whether we call it the, the free throw line or the nail hole, whether we call it the short corner, or the soft spot, whether we call it, you know, the corner, deep corner or jail, you know, just the words that we use as we communicate with each other. When you get them to buy into your vocabulary and then you see them, you know, speaking that language to each other and holding each other accountable, you, you, you realize, OK, we're starting to move in the right direction. And so it's a constant fight and um not not as in negative way, but is and is that I have to keep myself focused on that. It's all the little things that are going to determine whether, when we get to year two, that you know we are in a position to to win a state championship or win a conference championship. But you won't be in that position if you don't fight every single day for what you want it to look like, what you want it to sound like, what you want it to feel like. And that's on the floor, in the office, in the locker room, in the community, you know, on campus. So I think this is a cool question because you're both program building leaders uh, and you've both done it in college and high school. So I'm going to start with Coach Tang on this one. You're building a championship level program right now at Kansas State. And there are a lot of people who know you and love you uh, that will always first associate you with Baylor where you built a D1 national championship program. Knowing you, uh, you were very selective about only leaving for the right opportunity. So for those watching, what advice would you give to coaches and leaders who are watching this and have aspirations of leading something remarkable? What things do they need to look for? What questions do they need to ask when investigating an opportunity? And uh, in other words, what convinced you that Kansas State was the right opportunity for you and your family? Man, uh, that is a great question. And I wish I had a very complicated answer and like some systematic breakdown for this. But the, the, the truth is, you know, I, I've led my life in a way that I allowed the Lord to lead me. And uh, scripture is very clear that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And God was very gracious to me in that. He allowed the pe the places that I he didn't want me to go to tell me no. He didn't leave it up to me to be smart enough to say no to it. And then where he wanted me, when he wanted me to move and where he wanted me to go, he allowed that person, Gene Taylor here at Kansas State, to tell me yes. Um, along the way, there were certain things that I was hoping a program would have that that it was the place that I would go to. And 
Uh, one of that is a, a history of past success. I think a predictor of what can happen in the future is what's happened in the past. And like Coach said, he went to South Lake Carroll and they had had success in the past. And then there was a lull for some whatever reason. But so he knew they could be successful there, especially if the guys would buy in. I, I believe the same thing here. Uh, K-State, you know, they've gone to Final Fours. They've won two Big 12 championships in the last uh, 10 years. And there's only two other programs in the Big 12 that's done that. And that's the school up the road and Baylor. Um, you know, so those, those, the, the, so there are only three schools in the Big 12 that have, you know, done that and they've done it here. And so we, it's a predictor that it can happen in the future. And there's a passionate fan base here. And um, for me, you know, recruiting is so important at this level um, that uh, one of the things the kids want to play in front of fans and the fans here in, uh, you know, Manhattan, Kansas and, you know, Wildcat Nation, they are passionate about their university. And then the opportunity to coach against the very best coaches in America in the Big 12, you know, that's just what a, what a better challenge, you know, than, than to be able to do that. And so, you know, those are the things that, that were important to me, but um, I think more importantly was the, the peace that I had that this is where the God wanted me. Coach Dodd, same question to you. You just finished building a championship level program in Westlake. And there are still, I'm sure, a lot of people who know and love you and will always associate you first with South Lake Carroll in their mind, where you won four state titles. What convinced you? I know you you made a comment about Sam, but what convinced you that Westlake was something worth pursuing? Well, I knew a lot about Westlake before I came here. I was kind of that young coach on the uh, on the outside looking in. My father-in-law was the head football coach and athletic director here. Uh, he was in some form or fashion um, on the staff at Westlake from 1969 to 2005. He was the, you know, the, he was the offense coordinator. He was the head coach. He was head coach AD and then he was straight AD. The stadium's named after my father-in-law. Uh, so I had a little bit of a, uh, when I said earlier, I was coming home. Um, my wife grew up here in Westlake Hills, but when I got back here, the one thing that I wanted to do is, um, there are only 16 high schools in the entire state of Texas. And it's really kind of hard to believe. And when I say this, that still they are a one high school school district and they are a six, a school, you know, that so many of them are splitting off. And so that, that was one that I, that when I was at South Lake Carroll, we had that situation. So at Westlake, you have one high school, you have two middle schools, uh, you have about eight elementary schools, but everybody is, is, is funneling in the same direction. And so um, there had been some traditions that that had kind of gone by the wayside. I, I put some things together that uh, brought some of the old guard back from uh, I set up a, a deal called the Captain's um, Club. And we I had a friend of mine reach out to to every uh, former Westlake football captain that was still living in the greater Austin area. And the first year we had 47 of them show up <clears throat> anywhere from the guy who, anywhere from the guy who uh, scored the first touchdown in the history of Westlake in 1969 to guys that had just played the year before. So after eight years, we would meet twice a year. And, and I just, I'd always, I'd, I'd chop it up with them and, and uh, but that first time I said, what what has happened? What has gone by the wayside that y'all uh, that y'all can see that needs to come back? And, you know, and there were some things that came back. You know, it was 
it's 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 crazy little things you know that that are important to certain people one of them goes i mean this is like a a 50 year old man and he goes coach whatever happened to the stripes on the pants and i go hell i don't know <laughs> i said in the locker i mean in in the in the uh in the equipment room right now there's nobody there's no stripes on he goes that's what i'm talking about what happened to the stripes I go, y'all like, and they all, I mean, you got young guys, you got old guys, and everybody wanted the stripes back on the pants. So guess what? We got stripes back on the pants. You know, it's just little <laughs> things like that. And so you're making the old guard happy and, and bringing them back in the mix. And um, we started to deal, I mean, I tried to do some really old school um, stuff in a metropolitan area or a you know, in Austin, I mean, we, Westlake Hills is its own little place, but it sits about four miles, you know, north of uh, downtown Austin or west of downtown Austin. But we did a deal called the quarterback club and it was a, a, a 7.30 morning meeting with the, with the community, you know, and uh, really the only thing that, that was a deal is you couldn't have a kid in the program. You know, you, you, you had to, if you love Westlake football, you could come and chop it up with us, you know, and, and we did stuff like that. We started a spirit line, you know, and it, we did some stuff that was being done in little 2A and 3A schools. Um, and, and it was a lot of fun and, and, and the, the community bought into it, especially the kids bought into it. So let's let's talk about hiring a staff. Coach Tang, you just hired a staff and it's a group of men and women that are from all across the country. So how did you go about putting just the right group together and what kinds of traits and values were you looking for in your staff? Well, I knew that I wanted um, really great men, first of all, like, I mean, just solid family guys who cared about the right things uh, that we have the same values and same beliefs. Um, I, I wanted the guys who I didn't mind losing with, right. That, you know, cause you can win with anybody. It's you want guys who, when things aren't going well, you don't mind being that foxhole with them. And uh, I wanted a well-rounded guys, guys who uh, they, they were, they loved basketball. They loved uh, young men and pouring into them. Uh, they were really good communicators and connectors. And um, it just so happened that, you know, three or four of the guys that I either mentored or mentored me, happened to be available at the right time. And I'm just talking about God's timing, you know, to get Yurik Malagy from the University of Texas and Dream Dowling from North Texas. And Dream and I coached the U.S. Virgin Islands team for 14 years together. And I actually performed his wedding. You know, I was at uh, Yurik's um, baptism, at his wedding and at his baptism and at his father's funeral, you know, and uh, Kevin Sutton I've known for years, we worked five-star camp together out in the hot sun in, in Virginia. And so um, Marco Bourne, I mean, everything I know about Louisiana, I learned from Marco Bourne. Um, and all these guys are winners. Every program they've been at had won and they understand winning at a high level. And uh, so, you know, I think winning is contagious. Um, you know, I, I think guys who have won have a standard that they're not willing to let down. And, um, you know, being blessed to be with Scott, and win a national championship. When you talk about winning, it's it's a little bit different. You know, um, it's not going to the Sweet 16. It's not even going to a Final Four. You know, it's about watching the confetti fall from the ceilings and climbing the ladders and cutting the nets. You know, and uh, coach will tell you when you want to state championship, winning a district and going three rounds in the playoffs, 
it's just not the same. It's just not what your focus is when you start the season. What I love about these men is that our very first meeting, we're talking about how do you win the last game? You know, and uh, because we have that mindset, I know what's going to happen. Awesome. So, Coach Dodge, same question for you. Uh, let's. When you went to Westlake eight years ago, how did you go about putting your staff together? What kinds of traits and values were you looking for in a staff? Well, first of all, I was told a long time ago in the in the world of football, when you're a head coach and you're hiring a staff, uh, the two most important guys on your staff is your offensive line coach and your secondary coach. And I've always believed that. I still today would give that advice uh, to a lot of people. Um, Tony Salazar came with me uh, from uh, Marble Falls. Uh, Brandon Murdoch had been my offensive line coach for the last 10 years. He, I coached him at South Lake Carroll. So as far as knowing the men that I was bringing with me, it, with those two, Kirk Rogers had been with me at South Lake Carroll. He was coming back with me. He was the wide receiver coach. Um, Chase Hargis uh, is one of our secondary coaches. Uh, coaching our corners. I, he, I coached him at South Lake Carroll. So one of the things when we got to Westlake is it was a really unusual time. I took the game, I took the job, excuse me, about the last few days of April uh, 2014. That's very, very late in high school coaching. We started spring ball. I got hired on a Friday and we started spring ball on a Monday. I mean, so I had to, uh, I had to make sure that I had seven of my original 15 man staff uh, that had been with me. They, we talked the same language. Uh, I love what coach said, you know, as far as the, uh, as far as your vocabulary. And that's so true. And, and we, we, we've been working on that for eight years is to making sure that we're talking the same way. We're not confusing each other. And that helped out a lot at, on the front end as I had so many guys that had been with me, not only as they coach with me, but some of them had played on teams that I've been on and seen championships won and, and seen the play. So we didn't really have a whole lot of time. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of time to, to be teaching a, a whole new staff on what my culture or what our culture was going to look like. They, those guys helped tremendously. And as it, as it ended, uh, when I retired three or four months ago, Tony Salazar, uh, he took over, you know, and I think that's probably – as big a testament to our culture and everything as anything is that we won enough games together because of a bunch of really good kids, hardworking kids, a bunch of hardworking assistant coaches <clears throat> that our superintendent <clears throat> that our superintendent didn't have to go look anywhere else. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so that staff that's been together for eight years, they're still together. And uh, that's probably one of the things I'm, <clears throat> I'm most proud of. Awesome. Um, this next question, you, you've answered a little bit, but I'm going to give you a chance if there's anything you want to add to it. Context plays a big part in how you sell a program and galvanize support. And so even looking at prior programs that y'all have led, South Lake Carroll and Baylor are very distinct places. Uh, so Coach Dodge, to lead off with you on this, and you've, you've mentioned some of these, but how did you go about also trying to capitalize on the strengths of Austin Westlake's identity and history in shaping your own program. Once again, I was going to a place that had, had uh, experienced a lot of success. Ron Schrader, one of the former head coaches, he won 187 games 
at Austin Westlake. Um, there had been a lot of winning going on. Uh, just had not won the big one, you know, and um, there were people fiending for it, you know, and I told them all along, I said, you know, um, we know how to get there, but one of the things that we're going to have to do is, is, uh, is, uh, you know, I think it's crazy. And as I've reflected on the end, the last three or four years of, of my time here at Westlake is sometimes having that other team where the old thing, iron sharpens iron or whatever that is, uh, team called Lake Travis right here in the Austin area and Lake Travis, you know, when I got here, Lake Travis was the creme de la creme. Now, I mean, they were it in the in the greater Austin area and, and in the state of Texas. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I took tried to take advantage of that by. Um, and when I got here, our 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 community was out of their mind over this so-called rivalry. And really, there really wasn't much of a rivalry because Westlake wasn't winning a whole lot of games. But I thought that was going to be a catalyst. For us getting to a point, you know, you never, you never, never think of three peats and all that, but I guarantee you this, um, Hank Carter, his staff, his kids, their community, I think we made them better along the way. And I know they made us better, but you, because sometimes you got to have that, you got to have that other team, you know, that, I mean, you got to grind and you got to get your tail whipped by them and then you got to come back and, and to, to ultimately, and we knew if we could if we could get to where we could beat them, then we could win state championships. Coach Tang, same question to you, except in the present present tense. How are you going about leveraging all the unique things about Manhattan and Kansas State to sell and shape your own program's identity? Man, that's a, a really good question. Uh, I actually. Um, had already prepped for this question, but then coach just said something. And so I don't want to mess up y'all's program, but, uh, but coach, how did you, I, I know I'm supposed to in a little while, get a chance to ask him a question, but, but I need this. So how did you, what were the, some of the things you did to take advantage of that other team? That's really good. That's right down the road. That's had a lot of success and it hasn't really been a rivalry. Right. You know, well, even though the fans think it is right. Um, what were the things that you did? Well, I'll tell you, it's really crazy, coach. And I threw a wet blanket on the on the robbery is what I did as I downplayed it big time. And okay. behind the scenes, now our kids are grinding. But our, our community was out of their mind with just they were just and that was feeding over to our kids. I mean, I was watching us go up against Lake Travis. We, we played Lake Travis in 2015. We were we got beat by North Shore in the Division I state championship in overtime. They played Katie in the other division. That's two teams from the same district made it to a state championship. When we played them in the regular season, we couldn't get out of our own way. I'm talking about great, great players, guys that are – I've got three of those guys that just – that are in the NFL right now, and they all three played not very good that day. And we just – they were all – we were kind of puckered, to be honest with you. And uh, so I had to kind of put a, put a wet blanket on that whole deal. People would always talk about, hey, we need to move this game to uh, DKR to Memorial Stadium. I said, well, why would we move it to Memorial Stadium? I said, we haven't even filled up, you know, Chaparral Stadium or Cavalier Stadium yet, which we had. But, I, I mean, I was trying to do everything I could just to calm everything down until we got to where 
we finally beat them. And then we started revving it back up and the confidence level came and that kind of deal. But that's kind of what uh, it, it was really uncanny to me. And I used to tell people, they go, well, you know, Westlake and Lake Travis is, boy, that's one of the great rivalries. And I said, no, it's not. I said, well, if you want to go, if you want to see a great rivalry, go to go down to Cameron, watch Cameron play Rockdale in 3A football, you know, and they got the Battle of the Bell and, <laughs> and they're, you know, just uh, anything I could do to kind of uh, put, put, put the fire out. And so we could come, come back and get ourselves together. That's kind of how, how it was with that one. But they were the catalyst that we were chasing there to get to where we wanted to go. Now, in, in like behind closed doors, was it talked about? Oh, with you guys. Oh, yeah. No, with players. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I just had to get our players, I had to get our players to where they they listen to the field house more than they listen to social media and moms and dads and everything else. Uh, and I was very, very uh, honest with our players and would tell them exactly what I was doing, to be honest with you. Um, and would tell them, you know, not that, you know, before before we uh, can start doing that, this is what we've got to do. Uh, we got to win these games and this game and that game and that, that round of the playoffs and so forth and so on. Um, but it was one of those deals that it, a little of, there was, I had a quarterback. It's, it's interesting. You know, this place has had Drew Brees. It's had Nick Foles. It's had Sam Ellinger. It's had Kay Klubnick, who was the, you know, he's at Clemson now. And, and people always say, well, who was the winningest quarterback in the history of Westlake High School? And they also, those names. And you'll go, no, no, no. There was a little old redhead, about 5'10", 160 pounds, named Taylor Anderson. And he's just a student at Texas A&M right now. He's the one, I mean, as far as a leader and just a little baller, uh, that will always be remembered in, in Westlake is getting getting Westlake over there because his in his – in his time at Westlake, he never got beat by Lake Travis. And he was the one who just finally goes, hey, I don't care. Let's just go ball out. You know, and, and he did. And that, boy, I give him a lot of credit, him and, and, and those teams that he played on in 17 and 18, where we finally got over the edge. And I, I promise you now, though, it, it's, it is now a full-on rivalry where every, every time the two teams play, it'll probably be within a touchdown, you know. Well, Coach, thank you for that. Now, absolutely, we have a rabid fan base here in Manhattan, and I mean the trash cans are purple. The salt that they put on the road when it ices is purple. Okay, I mean they they love this university, and so um, you know, and then you it's a great college town, and so you get a different experience. So to me, I've got to find people that fit this niche. And want to be in an environment where there's not a lot of distractions. It's, you know, academics, the the, the gym to get better, and then, you know, on on game nights, uh, there's going to be thirteen thousand five hundred, and they are going to be mad. And now you can see the the. I mean, this was one of the the scariest places. As, as an assistant, the warm ups were crazy. They, those kids, I told them, I, I need them to be as crazy on the opponents as they were on me when I was warming up the Baylor teams here. And so um, I, that's that's the thing that, that we are really trying to capitalize on. And the fact that we've had success in the past, but when Coach said it, um, you know, the fans want, they want to win the big one, you know, and uh, so that that's the job.
So both of you have been assistants and you've both been head coaches. So can you talk about how you went about building relationships with players from each platform? So Coach Tang, can we start with you? Uh, can you talk about building relationships as a head coach now compared to when you were at Baylor as an assistant coach? Yeah, well, I think right now um, I'm probably still in the same mode. Uh, at Baylor, I, I got to build relationships with kids through the recruiting process. And then when they got to Baylor, uh, I'm a big breakfast guy. So we, I would take them out individually to breakfast and we just talk life. And um, that relationship and bond that we built through that process allowed me to hold them accountable at practice and be very demanding on them at practice because they understood that, that I, the love that I had for them because it was paid in time uh, before that. Um, so some of the guys we're recruiting now, I've, I recruited for a while as an assistant. Um, what I, what I, as a head coach, I'm pulled so much in so many directions that I don't have as much individual time. So what I've done is assign one of my assistants the job of making sure that uh, every, every week I spend at least 15 minutes in my office um, with each individual player, uh, just finding out about what's going on in their life. And I actually have folders and blank pages in there. And I, and I asked, I apologize to the kid ahead of time if it's something I should have known, but, or I should know, but, um, you know, I have so many things coming at me that it's hard to remember everything. So I'm actually taking notes as I'm talking to them. And I'm going to use that process to try and, you know, just find out what's going on in their life away from basketball and um, just be real intentional about that. So, Coach Dodge, what about you? Just the differences as an assistant coach and a head coach in building relationships with players. When I was an assistant coach, you know, as I as I remember back on it, it probably went all the way back to growing up in Port Arthur, uh, in my hometown, is that that's the reason that I went into coaching. And so when I was an assistant coach, it was it came natural for me. You know, I always coached the quarterbacks or the quarterbacks and wide receivers. So obviously that was my room forever as assistant. But naturally, um, I was always trying to get around other groups of kids because that's the way it was for me when I was growing up is the is I had a tremendous relationship when I was in high school with the defensive backs coach. I never, never played a down of defense, you know, ever, but he and I had a great relationship and he, he took that. And then, you know, or, and so as the years went on uh, and, and I, I reflect back on, on my time as assistant coach, I, I've got guys now that are um, in their late forties, early fifties, and that we still keep in touch. And probably uh, there's more of them that I didn't coach that I keep in touch with. Uh, now, <clears throat> when I became a head coach, it had to be intentional because, you know, whether my first head coaching job was at a 3A school, that was easier. But when you get, you know, we, we carry 80 kids on a, on a varsity football team every year and you've got to make sure. And, and I always had to make sure that I intentionally made time for our defense, for our defensive players. Uh, I had to get around them. Um, I had to make that, you know, and uh, because offensively I, I was a head coach, it was 
that had a defense coordinator that completely turned it over to. So I had to make sure I got around those kids and, and we did. And, and like uh, coach said, you know, it's, it's a little thing. It's taking breakfast, you know, uh, you know, get, get some pizzas at lunch, you know, and, and not watch video, just hang out. Um, you know, our, our, that attack team that I was talking to, talking to earlier, I take that whole group, you know, um, you know, our, our, our blue bunch that was, you know, our, our scout team uh, defense and, you know, take them, take them to eat pizza. But, um, you know, as a coach and now as a, you know, as a head coach, you really do have to be very intentional about what you do. And it's, I think coach brought a great point. I think that's a great uh, point to, to give to all coaches is, is put somebody in charge when you're a head coach, put somebody else in charge. It could be your administrative assistant. It could be uh, another assistant on the team is, Make sure uh, that he's holding the, the head coach accountable for having relationships outside just the ones that he, uh, you know, touches on a day-to-day basis naturally. So another reason that we wanted uh, both of you to do this is that you're known as being amazing fathers in addition to being amazing coaches, right? And so in your roles, time can be scarce. And you also have personal responsibilities that are important to you. So if time is, is so scarce, what are some non-negotiables or some disciplines that you have uh, to protect your time and to protect relationships and family time that are extremely important to you? And so, Coach Dodge, uh, we'll start with you. I know your children are grown now. Um, mm-hmm. So could you kind of just talk about that process? Well, <clears throat> I can go back to South Lake Carroll. It was probably a better deal uh, because uh, Riley was um, on my team the last three years that I was there. So that was natural that we were going to be together, but coaching your own son and being his position coach uh, was something that, and then winning a state championship with your own son was the absolute highlight uh, of, of all of it, you know. Um, but early on in, in, in his time uh, as a varsity football player or a high school football player, I was not only his father, but I was his position coach. And I wasn't treating him very fairly. I mean, I was—I I mean, Chase Daniel, Chase Watson, Greg McElroy, all those guys, a great relationship with those guys. My own son was getting treated much hard, more harshly. And about the time that I was going through that, I had a, a, a real veteran presence in my life, a coach that I really had a lot of respect for. And I saw him at a clinic and, and it really just, it was, you know, it was a good Lord. It's one of those God wink times that just, he, he, he was going to put something on my heart and he was going to use this coach to do it. And he said, listen, he said, uh, I had my I had two boys and they all played quarterback for me. He goes, he said, someone told me one time, he says, when you're his coach and when you're his father, don't ever rob him of either of the two most important men in his life because you are, and you're the same person. And so boy, you, that hit home. And I, and I changed the way that I was treating my son on the field and we had a great relationship, and he's now uh, an outstanding coach at South Lake Carroll. My daughter Molly, who is now 29, and she's uh, but when she was in uh, middle school, Wednesdays were, were our night, and two, Tuesdays were mine and Elizabeth's night, my wife, and Wednesday was my baby girl's night, and that's where we would go do we go eat wherever she wanted to eat. Um, but yes, family. Um, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't be where I am 
today without them and and in uh, in today and, and really part of the reason people ask me why I retired I said, well a whole lot of it is family you know and it's I'm, I'm gonna enjoy going to see my son coach and I'm gonna go spend time with my grandkids and uh, I've got a mom in Houston that you know still knows what my name is and so uh, we're gonna do we're gonna give a lot more attention to those people in our lives. Coach Tang, what about you? Man, um, you know, I've always treated life, and I learned this lesson a while ago that, you know, um, you have these balls in your life, and uh, your job is a, a ball, but it's made of rubber, and but your family's a ball that's made of glass, and you can drop the job, it'll bounce. But you drop the family, and it shatters. It's hard to put back together. You might put back together, but there's going to be splinters. There's going to be cuts. There's going to be pieces that you don't find. And, and so I've tried to always remember that um, neither of my kids played basketball. And that was a blessing because I would have been a terrible dad coach. Right. And it, it, we, it would have been awful. Um, and, you know, for the first 19 years at Baylor, I believe that it was the way that it worked out that I never had to move my family. Um, so the decisions that we made, we made what's best for the family. So the kids got to stay in the same school and didn't have to move from their friends and graduate and all of that. And now um, we're here in Manhattan and uh, both of them are gonna be here with us. And, you know, uh, my son wanted to do something a little different. And I just asked him, you know, could he make the best decision for the family for us in this situation? And um, teaching him, the importance of that. I, uh, while I was at Baylor, Seven and I would go eat lunch once a week and we started reading a book together. And so we'd read one chapter of it and then um, we would uh, talk about it while we ate lunch. And uh, that was pretty cool. Early on, I had to remind him about the lunches. And then as it got along, he started making sure I remembered them, you know, and uh, picking the spots. And I think he was running out of money. So he was wanting to make sure I was there to pay for that lunch. And uh, my daughter, um, and she's just just a gem. And so I, I'm just very thankful that I'm gonna get to, you know, live these next few years with them here all in the same place together and be real intentional about those lunches with her and uh, just, just being supportive of what she does. But uh, my wife does a great job of uh, making sure that I I keep things in priority and in, in the right priority. And so I'm blessed in that way. All right. So last question before both of you get to each, ask each other a question. Uh, how do you ensure that you keep growing after you've reached a level of success that is the quote unquote pinnacle for your profession? And so Coach Tang, we'll first start with you. Man, I, I keep asking questions. Um, first of all, I don't know that I've reached the pinnacle of anything, right? And I'm just blessed to be where I'm at. And I'm thankful that I have really smart people around me, a lot smarter than I am, and that I can constantly ask questions. And I'm always on the phone, um, you know, talking to Scott or talking to Paul Mills or Grant McCaslin or Matt Driscoll and, you know, just other people that I can get ideas from. And, you know, just try to glean. I mean, I've taken a whole page of notes. Yeah, you can say from, from coach, I got a whole page of notes from. I don't know if y'all can see that, but I mean, you know, just whenever you're around, you can learn so much from other people. And if you, you know, you stop 
you know, trying to learn or stop by the, our our team pastor here at Baylor. He used to, he said that we have to keep becoming, and so I'm just trying to just I'm becoming something, and I have to keep becoming that, and so that that that's my thing, and um, try to read, you know, as much as I can. I don't have a lot of time right now because still trying to field the team, but um, yeah, just that knowing that I'm not there and I can keep getting better and I can keep learning and and the ability to be around other smart people, you know, that's, that, that's very helpful. Coach Dodge, same question to you. And I know this is a new chapter for you, but how are you still growing? Well, as, as went through the, uh, the coaching career, um, much like coach, you know, every opportunity during the off season that we were going to go uh, to clinics, we were going to go to college, um, uh, spring ball, spring clinics, uh, invite us, uh, invite a coordinator in, um, always looking for that little nugget. I had, a, I had a guy that I worked for named Ron Poe. Uh, and, and you know, you've been in coaching a long time when the, the guys that you work for early have stadiums named after them. And he used to tell us he would always, the, the professional development was always very big to him. And he would always put us in a situation as young coaches, but he'd always tell us, listen, we're not going to the Glazier clinic to reinvent the wheel. You, it's your job is to pick out that one little nugget that you're going to be able to take back to our kids and make that the three of those kids, one of those kids, a better football player, you know, and, and that, that always stuck home with me. So as I went, so I was looking for that and, 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 uh, and just notebook after notebook of, of notes at different places. And, um, I can, I can just, as the years went on, uh, I, I look at our, you know, I look at us offensively at the end of our, at the end of the career and where we were like at the beginning of the run at South Lake Carroll and probably about 65% of it is spot on the same. And about the other 35% is completely different, which I'm really kind of proud of is that we just weren't one of those bunches that just sit around and go, by God, we won three state championships. We were at South Lake and it was good. Then it's good now. Well, guess what? <clears throat> There's people playing defense uh, that, that are, that are catching up to you, you know, and um and then again, just hiring really smart people uh, and, and making sure that they understand within uh, the confines of our program that I'm not looking for a bunch of yes men, that I want us to challenge each other. Um, you know, I, I think I think in the in the in the game of football, maybe it's uh, all sports that I don't know that anything's original. Um, I think sometimes people can take someone else's idea and do a better job of, of executing the, and where they got it. And I think that's one, one of the things that's one of the, the deals. It's a, <clears throat> the stamp of a, of a really good coach and a coaching staff is, is, is taking someone else's ideas and maybe executing them better than they did because we're, you've got to constantly be looking. Um, and as I, as I enter um, my retirement, I'm going to try to be the best pop ball that I can be. And I'm going to be, I'm going to try to be the best, you know, I've got little quarterback camps and receiver camps going on and that's going to kind of scratch the itch. And I mean, I had one this, I had not coached a lick of ball all spring long. I had not, because I've been, I've been, I, I retired in February. I've never been so fired up to do a camp in all my life uh, about two weeks ago. 
I mean, it was, you know, they probably started talking about me later on in my career that he wasn't really engaged at the camp as much. But while I was engaged this year, I was fired up to be coaching. So just trying to get better. Love it. All right. This is the last part. So, Coach Dodge, you get to ask a question to Coach Tang first. Well, I, I uh, uh, 12, 15 years ago, uh, I was taking a uh, Division One head football job. And I wanted to ask you, Coach, as you go in – to Kansas State, and there's there's that that fringe group of people that are around your team. It's the sports information director, it's academics, it's the weight room, it's I, I want to know how you as you got the new job, how you went about selling your message and your culture to those people. Because I can tell you when that's one of the things as I look back on when I went into it, I did a really poor job. And I just kind of wanted to hear what you had to say about that. Um, well, I knew, <clears throat> having been at Baylor, I knew that my most important hire was going to be my strength coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie Melton spent more time with our guys than, than anybody else and did an unbelievable job with not just their bodies, but their minds mm-hmm. and his relationship with Scott and knowing uh, when Scott was going to, do too much at practice and he had to back off of it. I mean, there was such a, a synergy there. Right. And so I, that, that was something that I had spent years researching and talking and developing race relationships so I could hire the right person mm-hmm. so that, that the person who spent the most time with our guys would, would match and fit my culture and what I wanted. Um, and we could communicate. Uh, I spoke to um, the academic advisor, the trainer, and uh, probably every GA that was already on staff um, individually before I showed up on campus and just asked questions about each guy that was on the roster so that I could get their mindset on whether they were a positive person, whether they were a negative person and, and just really you know, kind of get a feel for, for who they were. So I knew how to best deliver the message to them on mm. what I wanted done. And right. um, what, what I found out was that they were all right on point because every single one of them said exactly the same thing about each player. And mm. which let me know that, you know, I understood what the issue was coming in. Right. And so I could address that issue right away. And it was, you know, the roster and it wasn't the people on the outside, but, that, then you run into this, well, we haven't ever done it that way. Right. And trying to get, without being a bully or being misunderstood, trying to get them to, to see that it can be done differently, right. you know, and that, that, that has taken and will take a little more massaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the good thing is that uh, they got really good people here. And so, um, and I, and we recognize that areas, those areas need to be addressed. And so we are, it's, it's a constant, like I said, with the culture thing, it's, it's every day, right? It's every day. And, um, you know, I, I gave you just an, a quick example of, um, guys, uh, were, were, would be late to study hall and the academic advisor, very nice lady didn't want to get the guys in trouble. Right. So into, but 
you know, we had to explain to her that our expectation is that they are on time. And this is our definition of on time. And our definition is early is on time. On time is late. Late is unacceptable. And if you don't help us hold them accountable to it early, then that's when we run into a problem. And, you know, once she grasped that, knew we had her back and we didn't care how the guys felt because once they started showing up on time, they would feel better about themselves and, and all of that, you know, she bought into it. And so yeah, I, you're absolutely right. There's a bunch of areas around that you have. It's not just your players and your staff, but it's everybody around. It has to be speaking your language and understanding your terminology and the culture that you want and yeah, it's been real intentional, but it it's a process. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Coach Tang. All right, Coach Tang, yeah, your turn. Okay, well, I I asked my first question. Actually, I got to switch my question. And so um, I'm going to ask you, and I think uh, you might have just started the question for me already, Coach, but uh, as a first-year head college coach, what advice would you have for me? <clears throat> that would be, uh, and I get asked that, um, I would, I would do a much better job. If I look back 12 years ago is I, I was so excited about getting my team with me. I got hired, I got hired on the last few days of December and I, and we were in a dead period. The kids were off on vacation. I mean, they're off on Christmas vacation. I didn't get to see them as a, as a team until about three weeks you know, they'd stop in and see me during the holiday, but I was so excited about getting them together and, and us starting to build our team that I, that I bypassed. And so I always tell people from that standpoint, um, find out real quickly who you're going to be able to hire and who is going to be retained. And once and uh, and to me, whether it's a, someone in academics, whether it's someone in the training room, uh, or whether it's, uh, you know, uh, whoever it is, is, you know, or even in my high, in my high school career coaching, if I'm going to retain a coach, I always tell them once I've retained you, I hired you. I had the choice not to, you're mine, you know, and I always wanted to find out, and I would always think it was important to find out from the, the higher ups, you know, uh, the athletic director, the administration, whoever it was, all right, let's talk about this. You know, I'd like to do this, but I understand I might not be able to 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 just completely, you know, um, wipe everything clean and bring in everybody that's mine. Which that's not necessarily realistic. You know, some places maybe it is, but I would have done a much better job of embracing those people on making on on talking with them about philosophies and culture and and done just as good a job. Uh, with them as I did with, uh, because they are, I mean, the, the, the strength coach, the, the academics, sports information, um, the training room. I mean, those guys are spending so much time with your players. If you're not careful, they're speaking one language and they don't really know you as you, and it's my job as a, as a head coach to get to know them. It's not their job to get to know me. Hmm. I've got, to, I've got to make sure because hell, they got a job, you know, maybe they've been told they've got a job and they're staying. Well, I'll embrace that. I just, that's one of the things I would have done a, a much better job of <clears throat> on, uh, on that standpoint, been a little bit more patient, um, 
in my in my first st- hiring of my first staff. Um, I can't I can't hardly go back during those times and think that I could have been more patient because it was going so fast. But as I look back on it, there could have been a time that I could have slowed down a little bit, you know, and uh, and got things um, in a better shape on the front end of things. Um, but those are the biggest things right there. The players um, during that time, I mean, one of the things that I'm so proud of during, when I was at North Texas, the three and a half, four years that I was there, there's probably 15 <coughs> of those kids that are that are Texas high school football coaches right now. And that's what and that wasn't necessarily just because of us. I hope we had a little bit of influence, <coughs> but I get to see them a lot. And um, and and they'll make you know we we didn't win uh, near enough games and obviously when when you don't you you got to go on down the road but I think they did see some value in, in the time that we were there. Coach Tang did get two questions. So Coach Dyes, do you want a second one? Yeah, I do. I want to know about. Uh, uh, I didn't catch the ages of your children. I want to know about your children and uh, and I want to know about. You growing up uh, in uh, at Galena Park? <laughs> well, um, I did. I went I, when I went to North Shore. Um, we were a five A school, uh, mm-hmm. but we played in the league with uh, there was Sam Houston and Sam Rayburn and Baytown Sterling and Baytown Lee, and we were absolutely horrible at everything. Like not good at football, not good at basketball, and um, it wasn't until it wasn't until Randy Weisinger came to North Shore High School that it changed the culture in basketball. Uh-huh. And it wasn't till later on uh, when Coach Amon showed up that it changed the culture in football. Right. Uh, and so those two guys have done an unbelievable job at I call it North Shore University. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that, that was it was a great thing, though. I mean, I think the, the formation of rack. Also, that that uh, it was, it's the the little league football. Yeah, they have there. It's a, I mean, it is like high tech, right? I mean, it's it's unbelievable. They they I think they have seven on seven in rack also in the summertime. It's it's just just unbelievable what they do down there. And so, well, they I just, wanted to hear I wanted to hear about North Shore because we have had some battles with North Shore <laughs> since I've been West Lake, and uh, of course. Um, yeah, I feel like we're all. Uh, I feel like we probably understand each other because where we grew up. Port Arthur's only about about 35, 40 miles down the road from from North Shore. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so I have uh, Ray and I, my wife. We've been married in August second. It'll be twenty five years, and we have two kids. My oldest son, his name is Seven, and uh, he's twenty one. He just finished his sophomore year at Baylor, and then my daughter. Island is 18 and she'll be she just graduated from high school. Yeah. How about that, Hunter? Uh, Dr. T. Um, and it's uh, she's going to be a freshman here at K-State. And then when I was single, I adopted two boys, uh, Lamar and Richard and Lamar uh, played was the starting point guard at Oregon State for four years. And he's the color analyst for the Portland Trailblazers. Okay. And then Rich Richard is uh Man, he does a little bit of everything. Him and his wife, Leah, live out in Vegas, and he's like an agent for doctors, and he's an entrepreneur, just is always doing something, but they're two terrific young men. And awesome. Uh, Beautiful uh, family. I've been blessed. That's awesome. Well, this was perfect. I mean, we were right at the time. Uh, we want to be 
respectful for everybody involved in this one, but this was, this was perfect. So coach Tang, coach Dodge, thank you both so much for making time to be a part of this. We could not have had two better guests. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. coach. Great. Great to meet you. Great to meet you too, coach. I'll, I'll be following the, I'll be following the Wildcats for sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, thank you both so much. And again, just real quick, want to thank Positive Coaching Alliance for all they do to improve youth sports and uh, communities across the U.S. And we'd like to direct anybody interested uh, to please consider making a donation to PCA. Uh, that, that's online at positivecoach.org slash donate. Uh, we also wanted to take a minute to let you know uh, that the book that Hunter and I co-authored titled How to Build a Thick Institution is available online today at Amazon or any other uh, retailers. And also be on the lookout for Hunter's new book uh, called Draw the Line. And it's set to be officially released later this month. So thanks again to everybody for joining tonight. Appreciate you.